We've all heard of the 12 days of Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. But until a couple years ago, for me at least, that was just a meaningless song. I had no idea what it could be talking about. But the song is itself evidence that Christmas used to be widely celebrated as a season of days, not just one day. According to the Christian year, Christmas is a day, but Christmas tide is a 12-day festival. These days, if, if you still have your tree and lights up on January 6th, your neighbors probably just assume you're lazy. Rather than observing 12 days of Christmas beginning on the 25th of December, our society has largely done away with Advent and replaced it with a month-long or more celebration of Christmas prior to the 25th of December. In the marketing world, this is called Christmas creep. Over the years, retailers have been capitalizing on the commercialization of Christmas by steadily, year by year, moving up the start date of the Christmas season. But regardless, in, in our society, the party is over on the 26th. We have several weeks of hustle and bustle in preparation for a single day, and then the day comes, and then the day is over. And so we hear people say things like, people are just too busy at Christmas time to remember what it's really all about. But traditionally, the party is just getting started on the 26th. There are still 11 days in which to remember what it's really all about. If you think about it, observing the full 12 days of Christmas takes pressure off of the 25th and makes it easier for us to slow down during the season of Advent. If we observe the full 12 days of Christmas, then we don't have to cram everything into the weeks leading up to the 25th. And so again, the church has an opportunity to be countercultural simply by observing the Christian year. Advent slows us down during a fast-paced season, and Christmastide has us lighting candles and singing carols even into the month of January, as the marketing agencies and department stores are preparing for Valentine's Day. Now, I want to say something briefly about the history of Christmas because it's, it's pretty common for modern critics of Christianity to claim that Christmas has pagan roots. But I think that's overstating the case. We can accept and, and even agree that the 25th of December was likely chosen by the early church in order to counter a pagan holiday without accepting or agreeing that this somehow waters down the celebration of the birth of Christ. We don't know when Jesus was born, and neither did the early Christians. But if you were looking to structure the birth of Christ into the Christian year, I think it makes sense that you, that you would choose a pagan holiday as a way of communicating the victory of Jesus over the so-called gods of Roman society. In Roman society, December 25th was the birthday and feast of the sun god, Sol Invictus, meaning the unconquered sun. And despite the fact that this god was a man-made invention, the Romans were right 
to see that they needed the light of the sun in order to live. They were, they were also right to give thanks for the light, even though their gratitude was misdirected. So it appears as though the early church appropriated this festival for Christ, who is, according to Malachi 4, the son of righteousness or the son of justice. That's S-U-N. Jesus is the truly unconquered son who rises to bring light to the darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. He was light before there was a sun. He is the one to whom we should give thanks for light and life. And so we shouldn't be embarrassed about the origins of Christmas. Over the past 17 centuries, it has become very clear that Jesus was indeed victorious over the so-called gods of Roman society. Unlike Sol Invictus, Jesus remains unconquered, and his light continues to shine to the present day. Unfortunately, following the Reformation, certain Protestant movements outlawed the celebration of the birth of Christ, largely out of a desire to be as anti-Roman Catholic as possible. But we've realized since then that the birth of Christ is well worth celebrating. And there's a lot of wisdom in structuring a birthday festival into the church calendar. But of course, on Christmas, we are not just celebrating the birth of a very important baby. The marvel of Christmas is that the creator of the universe has come to the earth as a creature. The eternal and living one, the unconquered son has willingly made himself subject to the human condition, including both birth and death. We call this the doctrine of the incarnation. God embodied. God enfleshed. God most high has condescended. Con meaning together, descended. He has descended to be together with us, to be like us. The divine takes on humanity to restore the image of God implanted within humanity, but distorted by human sin. He became subject to futility and death so that we might be delivered from futility and death. The incarnation of Christ was, in essence, the divine life partaking of the human life so that the human life could partake of the divine life. This is the great exchange of Christmas, and it's why it's appropriate to exchange gifts during this season. The incarnation is a gift that keeps on giving. God so loved the world that he gave his only son in birth, in life, in death, in resurrection, and even today in the kingdom that has come and is coming. So again, we are not simply celebrating the birth of a child. Christmas ought to bring us face to face with the marvelous truth of the Incarnation, as well as all that the Incarnation implies. The marvelous truth of the Incarnation can, can guide us and reinterpret all of our circumstances, no matter how dark they are. If we refuse to settle for the commercialized Christmas, if we refuse to settle for the fairy tale baby in a manger surrounded by barnyard animals Christmas, 
then this season can teach us what life is all about. I want to close with a reminder inspired by something Bobby Gross mentioned in his chapter on Christmastide. Ideally, we would all enjoy a calm, peaceful, and reflective Advent season. But we don't live in an ideal world. And realistically, the weeks leading up to Christmas, and Christmas Day especially, will sap our energy and possibly dull our emotions a bit. But we should resist the urge to just get back to normal on December 26th. Our society is going to move on, but we have the opportunity to spend 12 days feasting upon one of the greatest truths of the Christian faith. We don't have to go on sapping our energy or dulling our emotions, but we can be intentional about finding low-key yet meaningful ways of burrowing these truths deep into our hearts. Thank you.